Hello there and welcome into this edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from The Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. First, you'll be hearing from Jeff Myers of Summit Ministries, which recently announced Summit Virtual, giving older teens and young adults the opportunity to access quality Christian worldview teaching online, offered in place of the traditional in-person settings for which Summit is known. Also, Allison, or A.S. Mackey, has crafted a novel in which the main characters embark on a unique adventure, a book intended to help young people consider elements of biblical truth. Some of her comments are coming up. Then, Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. is closed due to the coronavirus, but there is online content that continues to be offered, including a Tuesday story time for kids. Find out more from Karen Poth and Susie Alden from the museum. And on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, during this time in which many are isolated, the Institute for Bible Reading is encouraging studying God's Word in community through the use of special resources. Paul Caminiti from the Institute brings insight into what is available. Finally, near the end of the Muslim observance of Ramadan, Matthew Aaron Bennett, a professor at Cedarville University, presented some insight into what Islam teaches regarding Jesus and the concept of atonement. Some of his material is coming up. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Jeff Myers is president of Summit Ministries, which helps young people to reinforce a Christian worldview perspective. Summit has long been known for its two-week summer conferences, but this year, due to COVID-19, those will be held in a unique manner using interactive technology in a one-week format. Discussing the concept of Summit Virtual, this is Jeff Myers now. The way we're doing it differently this year, obviously we hope that our in-person sessions can still continue, but we're not positive that that will happen, and it just depends on the governors, and it depends on parents, how safe they feel. They get to vote with their dollars as to whether they want to send their kids to our program. But Summit Virtual uh, is is a brand new way of doing an online event for young adults. This is not room to Zoom as you typically would see. This is not us just playing pre-recorded lectures and asking students to sit through them. It is a live, interactive, five-day event where you have the opportunity to interact personally with world-changing leaders, uh, Christian experts, best-selling authors, and then have discussion groups, small groups, where you get to talk through what you've learned, the opportunity for one-on-one mentoring. We have 24-hour a chat and and a hotline so that if you want to talk about anything at any point during that week, you have a chance to just call in 24 hours a day. That makes it global. We'll have people from Singapore, from Honduras, uh, where else would people, Argentina people have signed up. So there'll be people from all over the world participating in this. It'll be a great experience for young adults in the United States to get an international experience, make friends from all over the world, get answers to their big questions, participate in a, in a fun kind of environment, and for free, no additional charge, earn three college credits, which is a value of $1,800 all by itself. Oh, that is great. So this is actually, it's a week-long program. It's going to be offered several weeks. I believe there are four weeks during the summer that Summit Virtual is going to be offered. Now, with the 
And it seems like, I know that you and I have had conversations throughout the years, familiar with some of the content and you were sharing earlier about what Summit Ministries has been dealing with as far as worldview topics. So as we look at some of the relevant topics that you're planning for this year, what would you say would be some of these different hot button topics that will be part of the content being offered for Summit Virtual? Students will have uh, pro-life, so they'll get to understand why why we know life begins at conception and how to talk with people who disagree. They get to talk about economics, socialism. We're going to talk about the secular worldview or the new age worldviews that might influence you when you're on your college campus. They'll get to talk a lot about how we know the Bible is true, the validity of the gospels, the testimony of Jesus Christ, Really, students can bring any question they want to bear. Our, the, I think one of the interesting things about our team is we are not afraid of questions. We believe that Christianity has answers. And these are people with doctoral degrees and so forth saying this. They've studied this all of their lives. So it gives a tremendous amount of confidence to a young person. But more than that, it gives them a way they can talk with their friends about biblical truth. This is a, Bob, this is a critical time for young adults. I think it is, I think COVID-19 is a crisis of belief. Yes, it's a health crisis. Yes, it's an economic crisis, but it's a crisis of belief. Uh, Young adults are asking, does God even care? Is God really good? We don't help them find answers this summer. It's going to be too late this fall. They'll have already decided, yeah, yeah, I I went through all of that. Christianity had no answers for me. I'm moving on. Jeff Myers here on The Intersection. You can find out more about this Summit virtual program by going to summit.org front slash virtual. Next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's author Allison Mackey, or A.S. Mackey, discussing her book for middle grade readers called The Edge of Every Win, Blending Biblical Truth into an Adventure Story. From that conversation, this is Allison Mackey now. So what's the concept and what does every win mean? Well, I wish I could take credit for inventing that word, but that's actually not my word. (laughs) Um, Every win is an allusion to the timeless aspect of God. We talk about God being all-knowing, He's omnipresent, He's everywhere, He's with everyone. But the reality is, as a believer, We know God is outside of time also. He's in all time. And there are some um, religions, some some faith groups who actually use that word everywhere when talking about the Creator. And as I did my research for this book, I just kept running into that word, the everywhere, and it just struck me as a unique and memorable aspect of God that I wanted to write about. Well, the main characters are named Piper and Phoenix. So tell me how you, as we might say, invented or created these characters. Tell me just a bit about them. Um, I do a lot of research prior to actually beginning a new novel. I'll do months and months of research, and naming is one of my big things. I'll research names for days and days and days because I want to know the meaning. But also there's a, a... For these two, their names are also the names of birds, and that plays into book two and three. Their their names definitely were chosen by choice. Um, The fact that both Piper and Phoenix are birds just has a a unique 
um, tie-in to book number two. How did you want the faith element to really be a strong component of this book? Um, For me, um, I wanted young readers to understand that God is present even in the middle of tragedy. That's, you know, what is one of the worst things that could happen to a child is losing a parent. And that's what happens at the beginning of this book. And it causes the main character, Piper, to really question her faith. But the magic book is, is um, some people are turned off by the word magic. And so I, I do address that in the story, that it, we're actually speaking about the supernatural and that, that God is there. He's with them. He is um, present in ways we don't often expect. And so I wanted the reader to understand, you know, that God does answer prayer. There's there's a father in the story, and he's specifically play, praying for rescue, and God answers his prayer. So that was a big component of it was that God answers prayer. And that God is not afraid of those hard questions, those the, the anger that the main character feels about losing her mother and the confusion. She has a, a little brother with special needs. She has lots of questions and confusion about that. And so the faith comes in that says, you know, God is there, God hears your questions, and he is present in all of it. And it does occur to me that we can recognize that God has his own plan, his own story, in a sense, that he is writing for all of us, and he speaks to all of us personally. Is that also perhaps something that you would want to get across? Yes, absolutely. And just the um, the personal the the book itself the the omniscient narrator is sent by God to give them each a message and the message is this is what God thinks of you this is the the life God has for you um, just an understanding because sometimes you know they think oh I'm all alone in this and nobody understands but God does and so that's also comes into play in the story. A.S. Mackey or Allison Mackey here on The Intersection. Her website address is asmackey.com. Next on this edition of The Intersection from Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C., Director of Museum Creative Karen Poth and Living History Interpreter Susie Alden shared about the Tuesday Storytime online feature at 12 noon Central Time, as well as the concept of the Lonesome Curator. From that conversation, here now are Karen Poth and Susie Alden. Well, we're closed, um, and so that's sort of sad for all of us. We miss seeing all of our guests, and we miss interacting with everyone, um, and we miss interacting with each other, too. But um, so as just as everyone else, um, we're trying to figure out different ways to do that online. Um, so we have all of our meetings online, and we see each other online, but we also have created a lot of really great new content and new ways, develop new ways to, to interact with everyone out there, our guests. And so it's been a lot of fun, actually. I guess I shouldn't say that, but it really has. When we are in the museum every weekend, um, we have different characters from one of our interactive exhibits called The World of Jesus of Nazareth, which is a recreation of what Nazareth might have looked like in the first century. We have those characters um, telling different stories from biblical texts, from Old Testament primarily, some from New Testament. Um, And these are about seven to ten minutes 
minute long interactive stories that are geared for kids and try to engage the kids. And so we have decided to turn those into an online format uh, by having one of our characters from the village, uh, mine is Shoshana, and she was in the first one, uh, telling these stories only over video. So addressing you now as the character. Shoshana, tell us just a bit about Noah's story and give us an idea about how you present that. Shalom. This is very strange. I'm, I can't see you, but I can hear your voice. Uh, forgive me. I'm, I'm not used to all of this new uh, Gentile technology. <laughs> we don't have any of this in Nazareth. Um, well, um, in Nazareth, we'll usually meet in our synagogue and we'll tell stories to our children this way. Um, but since I'm not able to return to Nazareth and all of the, the Roman roads are closed, no one can travel, uh, I've been told that you can watch me through something called, what was it, the traveler said, television? It doesn't make any sense to me. They said that it's powered by something like olive oil, which we use for our lamps, but I, I don't understand it. Um, but anyway, so I, I just look at this small square and I tell the story and apparently lots of people can see it that way. That is awesome. So tell me just a bit about Noah and his story. Ah, so Noah is one of our oldest ancestors, and Noah was approached by God during a time when the entire world was not pleasing God. God was very sad that the entire world was acting wickedly, they weren't treating each other well, but Noah was the one righteous man who was pleasing God on earth. And so God decided to start new with the earth, and he told Noah to build a boat that Noah and his family and two of each land animal could be saved from this giant flood that God God was going to use to wipe out the earth. And so we tell the story of this. Noah was stuck on the ark for 150 days, but when he came out, the earth was completely new, and God sent him a promise that God would never wipe out the earth again in the form of a rainbow. And even now when we see the rainbow, we remember God's promise and that he cares for us. There is a character, the Lonesome Curator, is actually there if you go to Museum of the Bible online, you can actually find the Lonesome Curator. So what has the curator been up to, Karen? <laughs> well, all of our curators are lonesome. They're, they're <laughs> at home. Um, they normally are researching and and bringing more, more artifacts into our collection or doing whatever it is, all the great brainy things that curators do um, but they're all stuck at home and and we have started a new video series called the lonesome curator um, and we actually have really discovered that they all have pretty good senses of humor and it's just been a lot of fun um, we have caught curators cutting their lawn with the scissors and we have caught curators um, preparing for Passover in their kitchens with flour all over the place and whatever they're doing to, to make their matzah. Um, it's just been a lot of fun. And so, um, I, yeah, I would love for everybody to tune in. Um, I think once we reopen, we'll have some kind of great reunion on the front steps of the museum where they all can just be with each other again and stop being so lonesome. <laughs> so there is more than one lonesome curator then. Yes, sir. There's, I think we have eight curators who have, who have given us some great video footage and, and there's a lot to learn from them too. Susie Alden and Karen Poth here on The Intersection. 
The museum's website is museumofthebible.org. This is the Intersection Podcast, the weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more by going to meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the Faith Radio website. In the programming section, you'll find a link to the Meeting House homepage. From that homepage, you can go to the Media Center where you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection Podcast. You can also find the podcast in the Media Center. It's also available through iTunes, absolutely free. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three, with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room, with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations from The Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Continuing now with this edition of The Intersection, it's Paul Caminiti, the Senior Director for Mobilization for the Institute for Bible Reading. In our recent conversation, he shared about the importance of reading the Bible in community and introduced a resource called Immerse from Home. From that conversation, this is Paul Caminiti now. Immerse from Home is is a free, downloadable Bible resource that is designed to be read in community. And the, you know, the particulars of it, Bob, people will get a, a PDF of Luke and Acts. We're going to invite groups to come together virtually right now and read, you know, Luke and Acts together. Volume one, volume two of Luke's historic treatise um, arguably should have been kept together. But they tell in just two books the, the story of everything that God does in the first century. And by the way, that PDF that they that people will get comes from the Immerse Bible, which is an additive free Bible, we say. So mm-hmm. there aren't chapters and verses. There aren't center column references. It reads more like a novel, and it's a whole different reading experience. So the, the, the PDF text is available of Luke and Acts. There's an audio version of Luke and Acts. There are videos that are kind of like trailers for what people will be reading. And then again, because this is not designed to be a solo sport, there are four open-ended questions that, that you ask all the time that really break open the conversation. For example, the first one is, you know, what did you, what did you read for the first time or what did you see for the first time? In, in your reading. And then because, uh, you know, the, the most basic element of community is the family, we created a family guide for people that have elementary school kids so they can, so they can do this. So we're, we're inviting people that are already in small groups that are looking for a resource to use. If you're not in a small group, um, and invite a couple of friends from across town or from across the country. That's something that families can do, you know, that are separated at this time. And uh, anyhow, people are having great experiences and they're not just getting Bible memes. They're actually getting a real Bible meal. And, um, you know, we're inviting everybody that uh, is looking for something meaningful to do and to do together to, uh, to download the uh, the free Immerse from Home resource. And as you talk about connecting with people from uh, across the, the city or across the nation, 
it's the the primary focus at this point is through video conferencing. A number of different tools are available in order to do that, and there are some prompts that you have, as you mentioned. There are some questions that you give at the conclusion of each set of readings. So, so tell me what you see as far as the dynamics and the potential effectiveness of community Bible study. How do you see that people can grow spiritually as they grow by interacting with one another? Yeah, well, I think, Bob, you know, one of the things that we've learned historically is that people's hearts are more tender and open to the Scriptures during times of crisis, and, and people are actually ready to return to the Scriptures. They realize that they need something substantive. And, you know, you can go all the way back, um, for example, to the, the story of the nation of Israel back around 550 BC when they've been brutalized by the Babylonians. Um, you know, the, the city was under siege. Um, things became so desperate. People were eating their children, and then the walls were breached, and there's atrocities carried out, and the people are kidnapped to Babylon, but 70 years later, they come limping back to Jerusalem, which is still in shambles. They have no king. They have no treasury. Uh, they don't have um, an army. And in a moment of, of national clarity, though, the people come to Ezra the priest and say to him, bring out the book of the law, which is really stunning, because always before in their history, in, in times of crisis, they said, give us a king, give us a king. And this time they forego the request for a king, and they say, bring out the book of the law of Moses. But then Ezra does two really critical things, kind of a, a, a rehashing of what we just talked about. He brings all of the community together. They gather at the water gate. There's this uh, reading um, that starts, you know, early in the morning and goes till noon. Oftentimes we kind of stop reading there, but if you keep reading, uh, two weeks later, they have the, the the Feast of Trumpets, and seven days in a row, they do the same exercise where they go deep, deep, deep in, into their to their story. Paul Caminiti here on The Intersection. You can learn more by going to the website immersefromhome.com. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection podcast, Matthew Aaron Bennett, Assistant Professor of Missions and Theology at Cedarville University, talked with me recently. He discussed his book, 40 Questions About Islam, highlighting differences between Christianity and Islam. From that conversation, this is Matthew Aaron Bennett. Jesus is one of the most highly revered figures within Islam. Uh, you sit down in a taxi uh, in the Middle East somewhere and get to talking with the driver, and pretty quickly, when they realize you're a Christian, they'll they'll go into a, a dialogue about saying how, you know, we're really, we're like brothers. In fact, for for me, the Muslim taxi driver, it's uh, it's impossible for me to be a good Muslim without believing that Jesus is a, a great prophet. And so they they see a lot of parallel and a lot of um, they they take a lot of pains to retrieve some of these biblical characters and revere them. Uh, but the the way that this connects to the concept of atonement is actually what I hinted at in the discussion of Ramadan, that the whole idea of Islam is that humans are inherently forgetful of God's ways. And so if our main problem is forgetfulness, 
then the solution doesn't necessarily have to be someone to come and stand in our place or to exchange their righteousness for our sinfulness. But rather, if your main problem is forgetfulness, the main solution is going to be a reminder. And so then when you ask the question, who is Jesus within Islam? He can be a great prophet who comes and brings reminders of God's ways without ever having to be the Son of God incarnate, without ever having to go to a cross and stand in place of sinners in order to take the penalty for their sins and rise in victory from the grave in order to promise to those who by their faith in him uh, that they will live eternally. All you need is another iteration of that consistent reminder of God's ways. Um, and that really is where the idea of atonement and the person of Jesus end up functioning totally differently within hmm. the Islamic system. These concepts of a of a God that is bringing people who serve him into a relationship with himself— hmm. The, the understanding of a loving God who accepts his children through the, you know, and, and again, you mentioned the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus. You really, it sounds like to me that the, the Muslim really doesn't have that hope of redemption anywhere within its sacred writings, it sounds like. You, you can't really have a relationship with this entity known as Allah, right? Right, yeah, and that's one of the key distinctives and even points of pride within Islam is that they they believe in a God who is so transcendent and so wholly other that it would be an imposition on his very nature for him to relate to his creation in any way other than master and judge. So nowhere in the Quran or in Islamic theology, apart from maybe some more mystical Sufi expressions, Will you find anybody referring to God as father or using intimate terms of address? Because God is always far off. He's observing uh, our activity and keeping track of our good and bad deeds, but he is never pictured as a God who is God with us. So in my theology classes, I, I teach my students that if you had to boil the entire Bible down to one phrase, that has an impact on all of our doctrines, it would be God with us. Mm. It's the, the purpose in creation. It's the uh, function of humanity. It's the problem introduced by sin that imperfect and unholy people cannot bear the presence of a holy and righteous God. And yet it's also the restoration that comes through the atonement. And so God with us is the heartbeat of the biblical message and what is restored to us in the gospel. And yet within Islam, the concept that God would be a God who is near and God who is with his people as father is simply absent. And so I, I think that that is a, a key distinctive that we need to keep in mind um, because that really separates the, the whole program of Islam from the program of the biblical testimony. Matthew Aaron Bennett here on The Intersection. You can find him online through Facebook at Matthew Bennett Author. 
Well, we are nearing the end of this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. Learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the Faith Radio website. In the programming section, you'll find a link to the Meeting House homepage. Through that homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests from the Intersection Podcast. You can also find the podcast in the Media Center. It's also available through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible from the Meeting House homepage. One is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House, and the other is The Three, featuring three stories of relevance to the Christian community. You can also follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. There's also a link to video content. Conversations from The Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app at a variety of podcast platforms, iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.